Welcome to the New York Historical Society's Public Programs Podcast, featuring lectures and conversations presented here at New York Historical's Robert H. Smith Auditorium. The New York Historical Society is a preeminent educational and research institution that is home to both New York City's oldest museum and one of the nation's most distinguished research libraries. This podcast, recorded live on Tuesday, April 23, 2019, is a part of the Bernard and Irene Schwartz Distinguished Speaker Series. In this talk, composer Huang Ro and librettist David Henry Huang speak with Agnes Su Tang about their opera, An American Soldier, alongside performances of select arias. Thank you, everyone. Can you hear me? Can you hear me well? Thank you, everyone, and good evening. Um, I want to begin our program tonight by first congratulating Huang Ro for his most recent premiere that was of a chamber opera called Bound, and that was just reviewed in the New York Times. And let me read to you what Tomasini said. <laughs> when a new opera has a promising but not entirely successful first performance, its length is often, its length is often the main problem. Too long, I mean. But Juan Ross, an American soldier, like Bound, was a rare exception, a premiere that felt too short. It was introduced as an hour-long chamber work in 2014, but the creators were urged to flesh it out. An expanded, two-hour, fully orchestrated version had a triumphant premiere last summer at the St. Louis Opera. We were originally going to do this program about four and a half years ago during the Chinese American exhibition, but our esteemed playwright um, had to fly to Hollywood Sorry. to write the script for the affair. Sorry. But, uh, but actually, it, this, the timing couldn't be any better to have it now because at the time, our conversation would have been about the first version of the opera, which was in the chamber version that was premiered in Washington, D.C., and now with a fully fleshed grand opera version that had its triumphant premiere, according to Tomasini, um, um, last, last summer in St. Louis. We are so thrilled to have all of you here this evening. So, Juanro, let me congratulate you and Thank you. begin with a question. Your three operas, and if I may share a little secret, uh, the fourth opera, which is also a collaboration between the two of them, um, Poirot's first three operas were all based on real people. Um, they are not based on myth, um, like The Ring, or, um, or books, or movies. Your first opera was based on the life and love of Dr. Sun Yat-sen, who was the founding father of the uh, Republic of China and that premiered in Santa Fe. The American premiere was the Santa Fe Opera. Mm-hmm. And your second opera was the chamber opera, Bound. Bound yes. And the story, the tragic life of Private Danny Chan is your third so, opera. So tell us, what is, why, why are you drawn to these real people? And specifically, why Private Danny Chan? Um, I think opera... Before I turned to opera, I was writing for symphonic works. Um, and, you know, uh, I always feel that it's, uh, less, uh, it's not the 
you know, I always feel I want to connect with audience more, but there is a, you know, a gap somewhere. I don't know what it is. Until I start writing opera, I feel that gap is diminished or vanished. Uh, with opera, uh, with through stories, uh, either fictional or true story, um, normally there is um, uh, there is a message behind the story uh, to have the audience to think. So I personally love that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and with uh, uh, of course, this is nothing new with uh, Verisma. Many years ago uh, in Europe, they focused on true stories and true life of uh, regular people. Uh, I do feel that there is a wave coming back in mm-hmm. opera of today, yeah, especially in America, where uh, new operas are driven and uh, by true stories. And uh, 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 in our case, story only happened uh, last year or a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Sonia Sen was my first opera, and uh, it taught me a hard lesson to write a large-scale opera, a lot of up and down, and then up. And finally, I did saw it premiered with the original version done at Santa Fe Opera. And the version with the Chinese instruments was done in uh, Opera Hong Kong. So um, after that, I, uh, I, I created Bang, which was based on uh, Diane Tran, who is a uh, uh, high school uh, student and she was sentenced to prison for missing uh, too many days of schools, uh, and that also is a true story. I saw that uh, on news headline. Uh, that strikes me deeply. Um, and uh, with an American soldier, um, and uh, it also happened. Uh, David, and I, I think we both saw about uh, the news on uh, what happened to Danny Chen uh, separately, and then when we were offered a chance to. Uh, uh, create a chamber opera uh, for Washington, D.C. National Opera. Uh, and Francesca Zambello, we gave her great uh, credit uh, for commissioning us for that opera. Uh, and she won an American story, and that's her only requirement. Uh, so I asked David, you know, any stories you have in mind that we could create an opera together? Uh, and David, do you mind to fill in uh, what you told me? Uh, so, um, yeah, so I'd been, um, um, I'd had sort of had my eye and ear uh, uh, on Huang Rao for maybe a decade. I mean, we've known each other, uh, we'd known each other for a while before we did our first collaboration, just as an incredibly um, exciting young composer who was coming up, who's, you know, someone who, like, would be great to work with at some point. Um, and we got our feet wet when um, Huang Rao composed incidental music for the revival of my play, The Dance on the Railroad, at Signature Theater. Um, and we had a really good time on that. So we started to look for um, a story that, uh, where we could you know, write, a, write an opera. Um, and Liz Oyang, who at the time was president of New York um, OCA, um, approached me with the story of Private Danny Chen. Um, and we can go into the specifics of the story in a moment, but she was, um, and she and OCA were essentially representing the family, and Liz asked if I wanted to write a play on the subject. Um, And I didn't really, because um, although it's an incredibly powerful story, um, a lot of the work that I'm doing right now as a playwright tends to be uh, more comic, a little more meta, um, uh, and... um, 
it just didn't feel like aesthetically the type of thing that, uh, that I wanted to do in that medium. However, um, because Huang Wei had this opportunity from Washington National Opera, I started to think, oh, opera would be a great medium to tell the story, which is big and powerful um, and kind of brutal um, and passionate. And, you know, a lot of what I call kind of primary colors in the story. And I think opera, um, while certainly capable of dealing with um, nuance and complexity and ambiguity, I think opera is also um, incredibly adept at uh, conveying big emotions. So uh, we brought the story to Francesca, who was uh, very, who immediately said that she'd be excited to do it. Um, and then I don't, one of the things that we thought was really important um, because this was the initial version of the opera that we did was in 2014. And we're talking about uh, the death of Private Chen, which only happened in 2012. So it was important for us to feel that we would have the family's blessing if we wanted to go ahead with the story. So Private Danny Chen um, was born in 1992 in New York's very own Chinatown to parents who immigrated to New York. They are still learning English. His father is a chef and his mother is a seamstress. Um, and I'll, I'll just tell a little little bit of a background. Um, um, and, and Danny, grew up, growing up in New York's Chinatown, was a very good student. He won a full, he went to public, he went to a public school. He won a full scholarship to, I think, Baruch, one of the CUNY, yeah. uni, uh, CUNY schools, a full yeah. scholarship. And, um, and his parents were thrilled about that. But what he really wanted was to prove his Americanness and he wanted to join the army. He was also a child that, uh, while growing up, witnessed what happened in, on 9-11. And, and he talked about this in his, I believe in his journal or his diary that we have, that you had access to, yeah. um, which was another reason that he wanted to join um, the military and serve his country. So that's the first part of his life. Uh, and then before we move on to the, the arias, David, I have a question for you about being Chinese-American. Um, you're often called the first Chinese-American playwright, even though you're a Well, you see where the question is. I'm asking a very leading mm-hmm. question. But even though I, 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 so I Googled his, his prolific um, list, so I had to pick out a couple of things to share with you. His award-winning career as a playwright, scriptwriter, opera librettist includes Aida, um, not the not Verdi's Aida. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> this one is in English. Right. If I rec- Aida Tarzan, these two were definitely not Chinese or or Asian. The opera, um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. Uh, Ina uh, Damar. Ina Damar, which is by an Argentine composer about a Catalan playwright named Lorca. And am I correct that you wrote the libretto in Spanish? No. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote the libretto in English, but Osvaldo Golihov, who's the composer, Osvaldo translated it into Spanish and then said The opera was sung in Spanish. And the last one I had to share with all of you, 
is an opera that he worked with Philip Glass called A Thousand Airplanes on the Roof, which was about an encounter with extraterrestrials. Definitely not Chinese-American. Although in, in this context, we actually can argue that mm-hmm. there, there are some parallels there. So how do you feel that after being one of the most accomplished playwrights in contemporary America, that you're still sometimes being labeled as chi- the first Chinese-American playwright? I mean, I don't mind being um, labeled as a Chinese-American or Asian-American playwright because um, although not all of my work uh, encompasses East-West themes, a, a, a good portion of it does, and probably the stuff that I'm best known for does. Um, and, you know, and factually, it's true. I'm an Asian-American, Chinese-American, whatever, and I'm a playwright. And I feel like everybody gets some sort of label, so that's fine. But I don't. This idea of being the first Chinese American playwright, I think, is just factually untrue. Um, there is, you know, there have been a number before me, um, and I. So, so I think that kind of erases to, to, to say I'm the first erases a certain legacy of which I consider myself a part. And. I understand you don't you don't speak Chinese. I don't speak. I studied. I I'm really bad. I'm just a really and, bad. And and apparently, me- <laughs> so so that was something you shared with Danny. Yes. Even though well, uh, Danny spoke there. a little bit, but he but couldn't he read he or couldn't write. Read. He couldn't yeah. read. So when you are writing the words of Danny, when you get into character, how did you how did you summon Danny? I mean, I think when, to create any character as a writer, you have to find the part of yourself that connects to them. And even if you're writing a villain, even if you're writing a murderer, you have to find, you don't literally have to go and murder somebody, but you have to find the part of yourself that can understand the murderer. And in Danny's case, it's not that hard. I mean, he is a Chinese-American kid. He was born here, um, as I was, um, and particularly in this story, he's struggling with trying to establish himself as an American in a society that tends to regard Asians and Asian, uh, Asian Americans as perpetual foreigners. You know, one can, uh, one's forebears can have been in this country for several generations, and people still go, oh, you speak really good English. You know, which most of the time is just annoying, but um, <laughs> in this case um, becomes quite tragic. I think on that note, we're going to hear our first two pieces. Yes. And Huang Ruo, please introduce so, these pieces uh, for us. We have five excerpts today prepared for you. And uh, the first one and the second one. The first one is uh, a duet sung by our wonderful tenor, uh, uh, Andrew Stenson, uh, who has been uh, singing uh, the role of Danny Chan from the chamber version to the, uh, the full version last summer also. Uh, and uh, uh, we created a new character for our full-length version. It's Josephine Yang, uh, who will be sung by uh, Fang Tao Jiang soprano. And uh, so uh, is, in this case, is it, uh, it, his um, uh, high school friends. They care a lot about each other, and they went on to different paths. And uh, David will tell you more about uh, the backstory. Uh, so that's the first excerpt. Uh, and uh, and the second excerpt, we will have uh, uh, an aria sung by Danny 
Danny Chen, sung by Andrew, is called uh, I Was Born Here. So through that area, you will really hear a lot of uh, his reasonings mm -hmm. uh, of joining the U.S. Army. Um, so I'm just going to sort of set up and read the text, um, since we have no supertitles. Um, and um, Danny and Josephine, uh, early in the opera, when he's trying to explain to her why he wants to enlist, uh, they are sitting on the Brooklyn Bridge, and they're looking at the moon together. Uh, and later, um, when Danny is sent to uh, Kandahar in Afghanistan, um, they are communicating um, over emails and, and virtually. Um, and they are both looking at the moon, and they sing, uh, the moon here is so much smaller, much less bright than the one that shined when you were in Chinatown. Wish I could see it one more time. I miss that moon with you. And then Danny is going to, um, earlier in the piece, he's trying to explain to his mother why he wants to enlist. And he sings, I was born here, raised here, speak perfect English, a true American, 100%. The people still treat me like some foreigner fresh off the boat. They ask, where are you from? I say, NYC. They say, no, where are you really from? Sure, I speak Chinese, but I can't even write it. After 9-11, when Chinatown closed down, we all came together so we could survive. Now everyone's gone back to living for themselves, but I can't forget there's a fight still going on. I want adventure, a life of my own, but most of all, this is my chance to prove to everyone I'm an American, a real American. I'll be a soldier for all the world to see. Do you understand?
pick up um, on Danny's reasoning of joining the military and give you some facts of, from Danny's life. So he joined basic tra- training in April 2011. Um, he was based in Georgia, and then he was deployed to Kandahar in Afghanistan um, in August, to the, August that year, 2011. And he died on October 3rd, 2011, starting September 27th, I'm sorry, um, starting six weeks before he died, um, he was singled out for being Chinese-American and that he was constantly being taunted with racial slurs such as gook, chink, Jackie Chan, soy sauce, and dragon lady. And he was assigned to excessive guard duty to the point of exhaustion. He was made to do push-ups while holding water in his mouth and put in simulated sitting position and kicked by other soldiers using their knees, among other abuses. And on the day he died, before he died, um, the sergeant forced him to crawl on gravel for over 100 meters, that's about 330 feet, while carrying heavy equipment, while his comrades stoned him. <clears throat> Juanro and David, um, can we talk about the premiere night in Washington, D.C.? Because Mr. and Mrs. Chen were in the audience that evening. Um, I still remember very vividly, we did two performances, and uh, we all sold out, and one of the performances, we have a bus full of uh, uh, Chinese-American came from Chinatown here, came to attend our premiere, and among them are Danny Chen's parents, and also with Liz Ouyang, their representative, and his cousin, Benny. And uh, we thought, uh, you know, uh, there was some scene could be too much for the parents to see. So we arranged a seat there. They could, uh, you know, choose to go out easily. Um, So uh, I remember at the premiere and uh, uh, Danny's mother was walking out uh, before the Kandahar, uh, you know, the, the torturing scene starts. Uh, and the father walked out before the lullaby was sung. So uh, there was a talk of maybe we should bring her back in before the lullaby. Uh, but then we decided maybe the lullaby will be even more painful for her to hear. Uh, so uh, after the premiere, uh, after the opera is done, we had Q&A uh, hosted by uh, uh, Francesca Zambello. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, this is opera, right? Drama not only within the opera, but also outside opera. Sometimes it's even more intriguing. <laughs> so uh, there was a gentleman standing up from the back, 
And he said, uh, you know, I'm the, uh, the lawyer of the, uh, the trial law, uh, you know, representative or lawyer of uh, the sergeant who changed the name to Markham. Uh, you know, basically the, the sergeant who caused uh, Danny's uh, unfortunate uh, end of his life. And he said, uh, you know, the stone scene never happened. The soldier was ordered to uh, throw rock next to him to uh, uh, simulate the bombs dropping around him. Uh, and then we have the representatives of Dennis from Chinatown, the OCA. Uh, they they yell back at him. They say, you know, we were in the trial with you, and uh, everything was written on the trial record. He was hit by the rocks, and the soldiers was ordered to throw rocks on him. Uh, so uh, we do have that scene in our opera because, uh, you know, uh, we, we need to be honest of not only art, but also with uh, our Danny Chen. So we do have that scene in our opera. So, uh, so at the end, the, the lawyer walked out uh, angrily. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can never forget about that scene. And uh, that became part of this opera uh, when it was premiered in DC. So uh, let me go back to the timeline. So um, in December 2011, eight men from his unit were charged. Four were court-martialed, including the sergeant. Um, so among the four men, there were two that became the main character, the, the abuser. And in the opera, his name is Markham. 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 Mm-hmm. In real life, the sergeant's name um, is Adam Holcomb. Um, he faced, during court martial, he faced charges including negligible homicide, reckless endangerment, um, and he could have, the charges would have carried, if he were sentenced, carried a maximum prison sentence up to 17 years and nine months. He was acquitted um, and uh, for being the cause of Chan's death and, and most other charges, with only one um, charge, which is, he was convicted convicted of assault. He was sentenced to 30 days in jail, but was reduced because apparently um, the judge felt that he had already served up to 15 or 20 days in preparation for the trial. So he only served 15, about 15, 10, 15 days in jail. He was demoted one rank and fined $1,100 for this offense. Um, and the man who um, was on record that repeatedly called um, Danny Chan chink, gook, fortune cookie, squint eye, egg roll, um, was um, reduced by one rank and discharged with a bad, bad conduct. Um, so I do want to read uh, something to you. This is uh, in David's words um, um, of, in the libretto, what the sergeant said to Danny. He said, you think you're so smart. I don't give a damn. Think your grades make you special? Better than me? Back home, you egg rolls. Get every advantage. But it's different here. I am in charge. So David, this sergeant is up there in the ranks of Scarpia, of Tosca, <laughs> and, um, and Iago of Inotello. Mm-hmm. Tell us how... What was the creative process? Yeah, I mean, I think that, first of all, it was interesting also in D.C. and then in um, in St. Louis when we did the full-length version, we also got a lot of support 
from military people who came to see the show. Um, and basically, um, their, you know, their position was, um, this is, you should, you're supposed to have a chain of command. You're supposed to have a certain, uh, a certain uh, safeguards against this sort of thing happening. Um, and in uh, this very isolated posting in Kandahar, there were no checks and balances. And so this kind of behavior can, can run amok. Um, but in, you know, in creating the character of Markham, um, yes, he's a, a composite, um, but also it then involves, yeah, trying to, try, uh, to understand his motivations. And I think that uh, the, the aria that you're reading from is really about uh, the expression, this, this sort of abuse and hazing as an expression of a certain resentment um, and uh, jealousy um, and feeling disadvantaged, um, which, you know, we see a, a fair amount of that attitude in this country today. So um, that's actually is not that hard to access either. Um, and also one more thing is uh, when we were creating the opera, we were thinking how to let uh, Markham also tell his mm-hmm. side of story. What was his reasoning? Uh, one of the reasons for him was uh, uh, he feels Danny is not trained uh, tough enough uh, to be in the unit, and that could cause everyone's lie. So his reasoning is he want to train this Chinatown kid to, you know, to do extra hard work so that he could be toughened up. Um, so we also included that in the opera mm-hmm. as well. Shall we move to the next two arias? Yeah. So the next two segments, um, we also had a comical moment in the opera. Uh, and this also is based on true story. Danny uh, doesn't write in Chinese. And uh, Mother Chen, Danny's mother, doesn't speak English or read English. So when Danny wrote letters back, and he would uh, uh, you know, send it to his best friend, in this case would be uh, Josephine, to translate them uh, into Chinese to her. Uh, and uh, she would intentionally to uh, water down the words Danny would say, because fresh in the army, he learned a lot of... Uh, uh, four-letter words and different words, these are very colorful words. And uh, so, so this is uh, based on a true story, and uh, 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 so we have that scene back and forth. And then the second excerpt you will hear uh, is Danny's, uh, uh, you know, what we call swan song, or his last aria before he uh, uh, died. And in that aria, uh, David, uh, I still want to tell you how, you know, how much... Uh, I got out of your words in, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of emotions, all kind of up and down. Uh, you provide me this libretto. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so, so you will hear that complexity of mm-hmm. uh, conflicting thinking in him. He wanted to serve the country, yet he was the one being left behind. Uh, so I have David to uh, read. Right. So I'm not going to read the back and forth, the letter scene, because I realize you guys all have it anyway. Um, but the second one, the I'm sorry, Ama. Um, you know, that's uh, an aria that didn't exist in the Washington version. Mm-hmm. And when we expanded it, uh, Huang Rao, with his good dramaturgical instincts, felt that there should be a, 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 
a moment where Danny expresses what he's feeling right before he dies. And he sings, I'm sorry, Amma, you didn't understand me. Now I don't know if I understand myself. I've got to find it, find a way out, find my team. I feel so lost. I want to be an American soldier, but now no one can see that. Now, not even me. Leave no man behind, the warriors say, yet I'm left behind before the battle begins. I love my country, put my life on the line, but does my country love me or am I the enemy? Amma, forgive me, I won't be defeated. Got to control what's left of my life. When a soldier is hit, once he goes down, unconscious, a vegetable, that's when it's time to pull the plug. And pull the plug was a phrase that he'd written on his arm when his body was found.
understand I don't know if I understand myself. I've got to find it, find a way out, find my team. I to be an American soldier, but no one can see that, not now even me, leave no man behind, the warriors say, yet I'm left behind before the Begins. I love my country, put my life on the line. But does my country love me, or am I the enemy? Thank you, Andrew. Should, do, should we give you a, a, a little moment to recover from that? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We're, I'm emotional. <laughs> um, Andrew, Andrew is a distinguished graduate of 
the Metropolitan Opera's Lindemann Program. He sung. <laughs> he sung on the Met stage um, as Demetrius in The Enchanted Island, Achilles in Iphigenia. Um, so two gods so far, <laughs> and Pepe in Pagliacci. Yes. So what's like to sing Danny? You know, when I first uh, had this project uh, proposed to me, I, I was researching the story and Danny's life and whatnot, and I immediately connected with the guy. And this doesn't happen that often, when, especially in opera, since the repertory like, is so limited and very few new things happen. But when new pieces happen, you get these really fantastic opportunities. And I was like thinking about Danny's life and my own parallel life. I'm uh, from Minnesota. I was adopted from South Korea when I was five and a half months old. And then I grew up uh, here, you know, t- in a white American family. And thinking of Danny's kind of uh, position between these two cultures and trying to find his identity and find his Americanness uh, when it's it's not exactly clear when and where you should be what. Um, and there are a lot of external forces and a lot of people, too, uh, telling you what you should be or why, why are you like that or, you know, oh, your English is really great and things like that. You know, and so I, I saw the struggle of him trying to find his place in the world, and I immediately connected to that. Um, so I just want to quote uh, an opera critic described your performance, and I quote, it's hard to imagine Danny more definitively portrayed than by Andrew Stanton. He exudes decency and aspiration and astonishing perseverance in the face of appalling mistreatment. And his warm tenor has a multiplicity of colors and textures apt to every situation. So congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you for bringing Daniel out for us. Um, I know we want to save some time for question and answer, so why don't we go to the final aria and then yes. go uh, from there. The last aria will be presented to you by our mezzo Guang Yang. And uh, this is an aria sung by uh, uh, Mother Chen. So um, it's a lullaby. Uh, at that time, Danny appeared as a spirit, came back to visit Mother Chen at their old home. And that was the moment that, um, you know, Danny gave her the flag, American flag, as a soldier who deceased. So she was holding the flag and singing this lullaby just as holding her baby. Um, so uh, I will have uh, David to... Uh, you know, maybe I'll just, because we want to have time for people oh, to ask okay. questions, and you guys have this anyway. Let's <laughs> just go straight to yes, the okay. lullaby. Stars above, 
Before we turn to Q&A, I want to share one last um, segment from the libretto. Um, This is the chorus of soldiers, and this libretto really made a huge impression on me. So Mm -hmm. if you will humor me, let me share this with you. The soldiers sing, Today our soldiers are sent around the world. Their weapons are many, planes and bombs and guns. But in the fight against extremists, extremists, our greatest weapon may be our American creed. A pluribus unum, from the many, one. Through our difference, we show a way, black and white, all the colors of the world, Asians and Latinos, Muslims, natives, and Sikhs, wearing turbans, wearing headscarves, women and men, and LGBT, marching together under one flag, serving one nation, serving for us all. We're not colorblind. We are colorful. A pluribus unum, from the many, one. So we have 
two questions. This is to Huang Ruo and David Henry Huang. Has your work been performed in China? Oh, this is an <laughs> interesting question. If so, how was it received? Uh, well, we, our first uh, collaboration was the dance and the railroad actually was brought to the Wuzhen Drama Festival. And so we both were there. So it was performed there, was received quite well. Uh, my personally speaking, my opera has not been done in China yet. <laughs> could, could you tell us a little bit about, if you, if you, don't, if you don't mind? Well, I hope I will live to the day to see my opera, Dr. Sonia Sen, to be done in China. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. But other than that, my orchestra works, instrumental works, uh, works without words, all done in China. Um, I, I'm best known for a play called M. Butterfly, which has been done uh, in... Uh, thank you. You know, in about 40 countries in the world, but not France and not China. <laughs> um, so, you know, so I, but my Disney musicals are done in China. <laughs> um, so can I let you all on a little secret, if I may share? So M. Yes. Butterfly is going to become an opera and premiering at the Santa Fe Opera next summer. So our last question of the evening. Forgive me if I, I have to read this carefully. My husband and I are first-generation immigrants. We have eleven-year-old an eleven-year-old boy, eleven-year-old boy and girl twins. They start to have questions about their identity. They said they were born here and they are American. How do I educate them about their dual identity, being Chinese American? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two more. I mean, I think fortunately there is a fair amount, let's put it this way, much more material in terms of Chinese American history and, uh, and uh, Asian American art and culture than there was certainly when I was a kid. Um, I'm, next weekend I'm about to go to Utah for the 150th anniversary of the um, uh, Transcontinental Railroad. And a big part of that is to acknowledge uh, the role that uh, Chinese workers played in uh, probably the most significant um, engineering and nation-building achievement of this country in the 19th century. So I think, um, you know, read. There's a lot of literature out there. There's stuff to read, there's shows to see. Nowadays, there's some movies and TV shows as well, and opera. We actually have two more questions. This one's from a U.S. Army Ranger. I'm a U.S. Army Ranger, infantry officer, and also Chinese-American. I'm very close to themes of the play. Three questions. How was the play received by the military community? Number two, what type of discussion did it start? Number three, what's next for the opera? I'll do one and two. <laughs> you and do one three. and three. You do one and three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one, it's, as I was saying, we, particularly in, in 
St. Louis, I think we really um, tried to cultivate a military audience and were pretty successful at doing that. So there was a, a lot, uh, you know, for, I mean, in terms of like how many soldiers do go to the opera, but um, we had a pretty good, we had a pretty good representation. And um, again, I think the discussions were about these issues of chain of command, um, what happened in that situation. And then I think that, you know, the, the soldier's chorus mm-hmm. that Agnes uh, read from, mm-hmm. uh, I think the military people mm-hmm. felt very, uh, very inspired by that and, and uh, uplifted by it generally. You do too. What was the second question? Second question. Oh, discussion. What, what, what discussion? type of discussion? I think. Oh. I'm a little bit upset. Yeah. So I remember at our premiere at DC, there was a, uh, a soldier who came for the first night, and we did not know he was a soldier. And he came back the next day, mm-hmm. put on his uh, you know a military uniform, and he was one of the person who speaks after uh, during our Q and A. And he said, "I don't have a question; I just have a comment." So we were all very nervous. You know what he said. I was there. Right. I remember. So uh, remember, he says, uh, uh, "I hope every uh, U.S." not just Army, but every U.S. service person will be able to see this opera mm-hmm. because uh, it's so meaningful. Uh, so, so that was my memory of that interaction. Uh, in St. Louis, I also had the chance to talk to different, uh, you know, uh, they have uh, one, one performance dedicated to the service people, and so a lot of them came. Uh, I, I have very earnest and uh, uh, heartfelt conversation <laughs> with some of them, and uh, uh, I mean, they all gave us a very, uh, very honest opinion and very supportive uh, opinion as well. So that was uh, very fortunate for us as well. Could I add something very quickly? Oh, yes. um, one really important thing for us when we were doing this in St. Louis was to make sure that not only Danny's story was told well as an Asian-American story, but as a fundamentally American story. And... That was very important to all yes. of us. And I, th- the conversations that I had with the audience after every single show that people of all sorts of backgrounds and races, the, the thing is that parents could see their child as Danny, that all it takes is one person to say, no, you can't, you're different, you can't, and terrible, terrible things can happen. And that can happen to anybody regardless you know, of what you look like if somebody decides to other you. And I think, you know, it being an American story that's, and, and the military is something that binds a lot of Americans and it's a great equalizer for a lot of us. I think that start a lot of really fantastic conversations. I think you just answered the last question, oh. which I, I will read it. What is your expectation of the general reception of the opera in view of the ethnic nature as against the current broad nationalist, populist, patriot, patriotist, patriotism of American politics? Well, first let me answer the third part of the previous <laughs> part, which is the future of the opera, which is, um, so I'm not able to be very specific uh, because uh, that's the way these things work, but we feel confident that this that American soldier will be seen in New York uh, over the next couple of years. Um, and then, in terms of how it uh, it seems to me to be a, a very powerful piece, 
um, given our current national context and the divisions uh, that I think most of us can agree um, are going on in this country right now, uh, to be able to tell the story um, of somebody, of a, a young American person of color who wants to serve his country, um, who is essentially hazed to death, um, but also we have um, the chorus of E Pluribus Unum, and I think that balance mm-hmm. is uh, a lot about what we're struggling with today as a nation. And uh, you have to see the real performance to hear the chorus, unfortunately, <laughs> but that will give you one thing to hope for, hopefully. <laughs> thank you. Well, on that note of hope, yes. thank you all yeah. for being with us tonight. Thank you, Agnes. Thank you for listening. To learn more about current exhibitions and live programming, follow the New York Historical Society on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NYHistory, or visit us at nyhistory.org.